first. I totally defend Susan Sarandon through all of the attacks that she has received. Right, Susan Sarandon has been attacked by establishment liberals, by the neoliberal ruling class, by the DNC over and over and over again. Right, she's an asset of Russia. She is someone who is kind of like a disruptor. She's been called all the names in the book by the DNC because she refuses to tow the establishment party line. She criticizes corporate Democrats. She is someone who a lot of people look up to, rightfully so. I totally respect Susan Sarandon's political positions over the course of the last several years, especially since Bernie Sanders' 2016 run, because she is willing to stand up to corporate Democrats. She does it through social media and her public statements. She has shown up as an activist to very important union struggles and i respect that so this is has nothing to do with her prior work this criticism that is about to come because i do understand how important it is to defend susan sarandon from the attacks of the neoliberal ruling class however that doesn't mean that mistakes aren't made and that these mistakes have significant consequences when it comes to the movement at large, when it comes to left politics at large. What I'm referring to here is Susan Sarandon's apology after she used one of my tweets, which I was very happy that she did at first. And I didn't even know until, unfortunately, there was the back and forth that led to the apology. But I didn't even know this. She used one of my tweets in some sort of Instagram story, I believe it was, where she made comments that the New York, the NYPD, the Police Benevolent Association nationally, basically all the entire police union apparatus from the local level to the federal level, so national level, I should say, not the federal level, although they do have huge influence over federal policy. They came out and attacked Susan Sarandon hard, right? Because she, because through my Twitter post that she reshared, they jumped on it to say she was insinuating that the NYPD is what fascism looks like. It's not wrong. And a lot of people said she's not wrong, but really they were saying I'm not wrong because I was the one who tweeted it out. So let me show you exactly what the post looked like. I'm going to share my screen real quick and just show you what this tweet looked like. All right. Because, or what this post looked like. So, <clears throat> Here we go. All right. So there it is. I hope that's big enough. I can't tell. My screen's pretty small right now. Can you all see that post? I know it's in that format that may make it a little hard. Anyway, so this is what it looked like, right? So she said, right, and this was about the NYPD funeral. And my original tweet, which you can't probably, I don't know if you can see that on your screen. But my original tweet, tweet was, I'm going to tell, I'm going to, I'm going to tell my kids one day, this is what fascism looks like, right? And it was this NYPD funeral, which was massive, right? Just look at how many police officers are there, right? Just look at how many police officers, cops, pigs are filled in the streets. They're filling the streets. All right, so people are saying it's too tiny. Sorry about that. I don't really know how to make this bigger. So 
Sorry about that. It was the only one I could find. I feel like because of the apology, there has been, I'm just going to stop sharing it. How about that? So, all right, it doesn't matter. So I tweeted, this is what fascism looks like. This is, I'm going to tell my kids, this is what fascism looks like. She shared it. And she said, so if all these cops weren't needed for crime that day, that doesn't mean they aren't, doesn't that mean that they aren't needed any day? And then there was supposedly a hashtag. I don't see a hashtag, but the corporate media all over the place claimed that there was a hashtag that said hashtag abolish the police, which was the controversy, right? The NY, first the fascism reference and then abolish the police. Now, Susan Sarandon isn't wrong, and I certainly don't believe I'm wrong, but the problem here, and I'm going to share the article. I hope that the article is not too small. Please let me know, because I gave a statement to Business Insider about this, and I want to just go over this article because I think it's a good summary of what happened from the lens of the corporate media. So please tell me if this is too small. Okay. How does that look? Oh, there's that damn ad. I, can't, I hate ads. Okay. Can you see the article that I just posted? Uh, Susan Sarandon apologized for reposting a tweet that appeared to imply a crowd of police officers gathered for funeral looked like fascism. All right. So if you can see that, I'll go over the article in a bit, but I'm just going to say now, none of us are wrong, of course, but the police unions asserted their pressure and so did the corporate media by repeating this story over and over and over again, right? So, wow, Business Insider is super obnoxious with these ads that you cannot get rid of. So, yeah, we weren't incorrect, but the pressure got to Susan Sarandon. And I understand the pressure is tough. I bet I under the apology seemed like it was attorney laden. It was it was formulated almost focus group through her attorneys or attorney. I don't know how many she has, but someone like her, I assume that she has more than one attorney. And I understand this is what the NYPD, this is what the police do. So the NYPD has this funeral for a police officer who was killed answering a domestic violence call, I believe it was. And the NYPD used it as a propaganda opportunity to show, oh, look how dangerous our job is. Not true. The NYPD, the police departments as a whole in the United States, it's not a very dangerous job. That's just a fact. It's not the most dangerous job in the United States. I don't even think it ranks in the top six most dangerous jobs in the United States. And they used, the few, they used this opportunity. They exploited the death of their own, right, Blue Brotherhood, quote unquote, they use the death of their own as an opportunity to try to promote this narrative that look how dangerous things are. And this has been the case in New York City and cities all across the country for many, 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 many months now. If not for the since the 2020 uprisings, Black Lives Matter uprisings, there's been this war on crime narrative continuing to escalate and bubble up, bubble up, bubble up. And the cops are using this as an opportunity to get more funding to install political officials like Eric Adams, the new mayor of NYC, as their conduits to ensure that they receive the funding that they want, right? There's no defunding of the police, all of that. They don't want any of that. And 
this is part of it, this huge mass funeral. It was a political statement, a, a political statement if there ever was one. I mean, they were blocking emergency vehicles, maskless in the middle of downtown New York City, side to side, like a paramilitary fascistic organization demonstrating their political power for all to see. I don't know if you'll remember when de Blasio was in office early in his administration, the NYPD turned their backs on him during one of his early speeches because they believed that he wasn't loyal enough to them. This was very similar in the sense that they were demonstrating their political power to the public, but this time they have someone who's even more friendly to them because de Blasio certainly was no opponent of the NYPD, but the, but Eric Adams is their BFF. Eric Adams is their best friend. Eric Adams is one of them. He is guaranteeing that not only will the NYPD be fully funded, but the NYPD will be fully protected politically. And that includes in the realm of public relations. So it's a very dangerous time here in New York City because the NYPD has gone through a lot of opposition, starting with the stop and frisk protests and the movement that led to the elimination of that. And now with this Black Lives Matter uprising and all of that, they are feeling like they are under a quote unquote attack, which isn't true in reality, but their popularity, their legitimacy has waned to such a high degree. And now they have their person in their Eric Adams to help them to help them out. And this was part of this. This is, it was a disgusting act. Blocking emergency vehicles, blocking traffic in downtown Manhattan at that time. I mean, how damaging is that for working class people, for poor people who need to get to healthcare, who need to get to their jobs? It was just, it was a scene. So let's talk about this article. Let me go through it, okay? So here's Susan Sarandon. I'm sorry about the ad. I don't know how to get rid of that. Let me see if there's a way. It just won't let me get rid of it. So, oh, well. So anyway, Susan Sarandon was criticized for a tweet on February 1st questioning police levels in New York City. She reshared that tweet. And she reshared a tweet that compared a funeral procession for a deceased NYPD officer to fascism. That's me. That's my tweet. Susan Sarandon apologized to the families of two dead NYPD officers. Oh, it was two. I thought it was just one, but it was two. After sharing an image on Twitter that compared a funeral procession to a deceased NYPD police officer Jason Rivera to fascism. The tweet from Sarandon, which was posted on February 1st and has since been deleted, featuring a, featured a screenshot of a January 29th tweet from independent journalist Danny Haifong, which contained an image of a police procession in New York City, including a parade of police officers, cars, motorbikes, lit in red and blue. The caption on Haifong's original tweet, which was still up at the time, reads, I'm going to tell my kids this is what fascism looks like. So I'm sharing this article first off also because this journalist, this uh, I actually have respect for her, she actually DM'd me and asked me for a statement and published it in full exactly how I wrote it. And she was willing to, unlike The Hill, unlike CNN, unlike all of these other hack corporate media so-called journalists, she actually quoted the tweet correctly. Most of these will not do that. They are so scared of the police that they will not even quote the tweet directly. They will only quote and misquote, I think, what Susan Sarandon said. So I got to give props to this journalist because they actually used my statement. And I was very clear with them. I don't want my statement to be used in any way. I don't want to cut up. If I write a statement, you have to publish it in full. And she agreed. And that was great. So 
Keep going. Sarandon, who has tweeted before about being in favor of defunding the police, reposted my tweet along with an image overlay caption that reads, so if these cops weren't needed for crime that day, doesn't that mean they aren't needed any day? And it also included a hashtag that read abolish, hashtag abolish the police. It's unclear if Sarandon herself added both the hashtag and additional text overlaying Haifang's tweet. The image in the tweet appears to be a screenshot of an Instagram story, although it's also unclear if it was originally posted on Susan Sarandon's Instagram account. Yeah, all of this is on tweet, un, unclear. And then she, on Friday, posted an apology on her Twitter, and here's what it says. I deeply regret the meme I recently shared on Twitter that included a photo of Officer Rivera's funeral. I reacted quickly to the picture without connecting it to a police funeral, and I realize now how insensitive and deeply disrespectful it was to make that point at that time. I sincerely apologize to the family of officers Rivera and Mora for causing additional pain during their time of grieving. So I'm just going to stop sharing this because we don't need to hear the yada, yada, yada from the corporate media. He, should, he said, she said, they said, all that. I want that just to address the apology and what that really means. So that sounded like it was straight from the Police Benevolent Association's mouth, right? That apology. It didn't sound super genuine. It sounded like it was focus group through attorneys legally. She was obviously threatened. And that's what I asked on Twitter. I said, were you threatened by the PBA because of this? Because that's what they do. I mean, in the Philadelphia Police Department and the Pennsylvania State Police, they, over Mumia Abu-Jamal, they literally threaten judges they threaten uh you know defense attorneys they they threaten they actually threaten their careers over mumia abu jamal's continued imprisonment i mean this is just well documented and so it seems to me that she was threatened but she has not come out and said that of course because probably she fears legal ramifications okay i get it but you know, there are times where you do have to stand up for your principles. And I think that for those of us who have been involved in struggles to free political prisoners like Mumia Abu-Jamal, who have been on the front lines of anti-police brutality protests, for those in the movement, for those who believe in these principles, who happen not to be celebrities, who have wealth and status and some modicum of power, it really does sting a bit because she made a, a choice. You make a choice when you share something from someone like me. I'm not a celebrity. I'm an activist. I'm a journalist. I'm a revolutionary. At least I believe myself to be one. I'm someone who always stands firm to my principles. And because of what she did, I actually received some of the nastiest DMs that I've ever received on social media because she obviously widened the platform from which my work was exposed, right? She widened the access and more and more of these thin blue line, blue brotherhood, copaganda, right wing nuts, they all came into my DMs, flooded it. I mean, the most racist, transphobic, nasty things you can think of, threats, you know, people, I'm coming to find you. I mean, this is in part because of Susan Sarandon. Most people who follow me, this is just how it is now. Most people who follow me at least agree with me somewhat. And those who don't follow, who follow me, who don't agree with me, they also happen not to be right-wing nuts or people who, even if they're trolls, they're not here to engage in that kind of vitriol and that kind of harassment, right? So 
and I won't say I won't speak for everybody because I definitely get that in my Twitter replies, but I just don't see it as much. So, I mean, my position on this is that Susan Sarandon should really just stick to what she believes in, right? She should publicize any threats. This is an opportunity, and this is the problem with those in the Bernie Sanders wing of this movement, right? There's just still too much. And she may claim that she's third party, but I know, you know, she supported the Bernie Sanders wing of the movement before that. And she kind of comes out of that social democratic trend that's happening in the United States. And let's be honest, there is still this attachment to status that creates scenarios like this, where it is really a betrayal of the movement. Like I feel betrayed. And look, Susan Serena doesn't owe me anything, but she owes the movement something. She owes the movement that she claims to be a part of, the courage and the conviction to stick by what she believes in, so that those who actually are attacked, those activists, the Black Lives Matters activists like Darren Seal, for example, Ferguson, like these Ferguson activists, activists everywhere who have been disappeared, who have been arrested, who have mysteriously died, right? that folks like that have some modicum of support from people who actually do have the power, the access, the status to provide some protection to some degree, right? During the 1960s and 70s, the Black Panther Party was actually very effective in organizing support from the celebrity class, from people like Marlon Brando, Jane Fonda, people like that to not only throw a little bit of money, although I don't think it was a lot of money, but a little bit of money to the organizing efforts, the survival programs, but also it's about public relations. It's about having people on your team who are able to help you stem the tide. You know, there are stories during the 41st uh, in Central shootout that happened in 1969 in Los Angeles, right, of SDS members, white SDS members, those of middle-class background, you know, actually sacrificing their bodies and saying, no, we're going to protect the Black Panther Party headquarters. And this was done all across the country from police raids, from FBI raids. I mean, it's powerful actions like that that demonstrate real courage. But when you apologize in this way, it is really such a deep concession that it brings things politically backward, right? It brings developments backward, even if it's not to a high degree, it is to a degree that is significant and it must be commented on. So I am very disappointed that she apologized. I It would have been better if she had just let the moment pass. But something was obviously happening in the background that we are not aware of because given this response, it's obviously legal in character, right? I'm sure she had all of the police unions ready to litigate and they probably threatened to put her in the poorhouse, which... The police can do that, right? She doesn't have the, that much power, right? So I just wanted to comment on, comment on that really quickly because no one really asked me. A lot of people have been covering this and bless Richard Medhurst. He's an, he's an amazing comrade. He actually had me on and that interview will be coming up at some point, hopefully in the next uh, few days, I think. He actually had me on to talk about this because nobody asked me about it. Everyone was commenting on it, right? And nobody wanted to ask me. I was the subject of the tweet. So why don't you just ask, why don't you just ask me? Just let's talk about it. Because this is a moment, right, that reflects not only the overwhelming political power of police departments in the United States, which is an indicator of fascism. It is, right? The U.S. is 
a society with fascist characteristics. It is literally an imperialist society with fascist characteristics. We should call it imperialism with fascist characteristics. The United States, this is one of them, right? The NYPD being able to do this, the police unions being able to do this, that is just a demonstration of how much influence they have. And let's not even get into, I mean, we can get into just how they keep political prisoners behind the walls. Leonard Peltier, who has COVID-19 right now, is unable to get released. And it's mostly because of both the FBI and the police unions who want to see Leonard Peltier dead. The same goes for Mumia Abu-Jamal. The same goes for the New Jersey police state system with Sundiata Kohli, right? All of these political prisoners who former Black Liberation Army, former Black Panther Party members, former Black revolutionaries, or continue to be Black revolutionaries, they are all being lynched inside of prisons permanently because of the police unions for the most part. And Drew Rubin Wahad, he has an incredible analysis on this because he experienced it firsthand being in prison for more than 15 years. He experienced it firsthand, especially, I mean, he was a New York Panther BLA and he experienced what the New York police system in conjunction with their political, you know, their political influence over the entire state, what that was able to do to him, right? So, yeah, that's that's what this demonstrates. And the police right now are pearl clutching. They are worried, right, that their legitimacy with the public has waned so much that the popularity of across large sections of the United States, not just with Black people who never had much to think about the police given that, right, police lynchings, terrorism, violence did not begin in 2014 when Michael Brown was killed, right? It had been happening for decades and decades. It was the basis for the Watts Rebellion. It was the basis for the rebellions in Harlem, Detroit, all throughout the 60s, the basis for rebellions even earlier than that across the United States. And the origins of the police are deeply related and connected to chattel slavery so right the police are worried now because large sections of white people especially white workers young white people across really the class spectrum i mean let's not talk about the bourgeoisie but those who maybe are college students who our workers, you know, most people are workers these days in the United States. A lot of white people don't like the police right now and are not willing to defend them. And so that means that there is a broad consensus in the United States that the police need to be reformed. Look at what Biden has done. Biden has had to respond rhetorically, but look how he responded. He said, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, we need police reform, but that means we need to fund police more, right? He's totally in with the cops. Surprise, surprise. He was the architect of many crime bills, not just 94, but he helped write 86 as well, the Anti-Drug Abuse Act, all the way into the 94 crime bill. So he, Joe Biden is totally in league with the police and with the mass incarceration state. But even he had to talk about police reform during his campaign because a lot of Democrats just wouldn't vote for him then. A lot, especially a lot of these Bernie Democrats who don't want to vote for Republican, don't see themselves voting third party, unfortunately. That's one of the limitations, I guess. So he had to pander to it, but he pandered to it in the most reactionary way. Hey, I'm going to fund police so they can become better, right? We're going to get rid of those bad apples. And that's where we are right now, right? The police are 
looking right and people like eric adams joe biden right they they don't provide the the most fertile ground but eric adams is in local officials across the country and then we'll see what happens in 2024 but it's likely that we will see the police looking for more and more space to to crack down to start cracking heads i mean that's they're they're just they're relishing for that moment right because 2020 was such i think a visceral moment for the police in the united states they did feel like they were under attack and they want they want revenge and so we have to remember that this is what this is about with susan sarandon the police want revenge on the masses they want revenge on the movement they want to crack heads and that is what they are looking to accomplish through politics right and they're trying to open up more and more political space that's why I mean, a lot of the Kyle Rittenhouse stuff had to do with that as well. The way that the narrative was being swung around and around and around, right? The cops were playing a big role. I mean, that's why he's going to the conservative conferences and all of that, because the cops are trying to swing this narrative about the rebellion of 2020 as it being violent, as it being something that deserves to be repressed should it happen again. And they're waiting. The cops are waiting. So this Susan Sarandon situation, it's an unfortunate one. I just want to say I'm disappointed, Susan Sarandon. I really am because if you're going to use a tweet from someone like me, who mostly people like Susan Sarandon, ignore. I'm too revolutionary. I'm too socialist. I'm too communist. I don't know. Can't, can't touch this guy's work, right? I'm too pro-China. I'm too pro-DPRK. Whatever, right? That's usually I know. I'm mean, come on. This is this stuff may not be said publicly, but we know it goes on in people's heads. We know it goes on in people's heads with people who are less in the celebrity sphere and more politically aligned with us. We know that this goes on in the heads of a lot of leftists. And so, if you're going to share something of mine, if you're going to share something, especially if you're going to share something that's so important to the movement, these kind of statements right? That's what I was trying to do. I was trying to make a statement. Connecting police to fascism, get people thinking, why would I say that? What about the police would make someone like me say that, right? I'm trying to get people thinking here. Her apology is the opposite of that. Her apology says, oh, no, 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 I was wrong. And now she's telling millions of people that she's wrong, that there are moments where the police deserve our empathy and our sympathy. She's trying, she, through her apology, reinforces this notion that cops are just people too, rather than an apparatus of the state, that no matter who you are inside of that, the, the purpose, the role, the interests behind the police are in the lead, they're in the vanguard. You cannot individualize that. We're not here to organize cops, right? We're here to build a strong enough movement from which if there are cops who don't want to be part of the slave catcher apparatus, the police state apparatus, good on them. We'll welcome them with open arms, but we're not here to organize cops. We're not here to say the police are workers too, right? We can't, we can't do that. How can we do that when they're killing working class people? They're killing black people. They're killing working class people, a thousand per year. We can't do that. They're funneling people into a 2 million plus prison apparatus. 
If they're not killing you, they're terrorizing you. And if they're not terrorizing you, they're intimidating you. And if they're not intimidating you, they are there to do all three should you get out of line. That's the reality of policing in the United States. That is what it's all about. It's about protecting and serving capital, protecting and serving the elite. Susan Sarandon knows this, but she apologized for it anyway. And so that's my message to you, Susan. That's my message to all of you who have been following this. You got to stand by your convictions. You got to stand, you got to have the courage. You got to publicize those threats. Sometimes you got to take risks. And I get it. The movement isn't in the place where maybe that seems available. But at the, at the, then I think the original decision of sharing it should not have been done, right? When you're a revolutionary, your actions, everything that you do, everything that you say has consequences. And you know that. You know that history is constantly moving. You are a dialectical materialist. You understand that everything is changing and that contradictions are constantly struggling with each other and are constantly in motion because of that struggle and that eventually those contradictions will transform in some way. So with that said, you know that your actions do matter. Regardless of whether you think that they're not making an impact, what you say and what you do does matter. And Susan Sarandon seemed to forget that based on probably what was a real nasty legal-oriented attack on her. I'm sure they're threatening to sue her. I'm sure they're threatening to use the deaths of these cops as a defamation or something like that. And they wanted to bleed her. And I'm sure she was worried about that. And that's just the objective reality of the situation, guys. So that's my comments on that. So, all right, we're moving on from Susan Sarandon.